You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, brought to you by NBA 2K24. If you don't have your copy yet, make sure you hit the link in the description and get your copy of the game because today we've got a very special episode. Myself, very special. The one and only BJ Armstrong and a very special guest, Coach Brendan Sir. Thank you for joining the show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Two of my favorite people in the world. Oh, oh the man. Talking the myth. hoops with two geniuses. The legend. We the legend in. is coming on to share. The legend. The Ladies and gentlemen, we are in for a treat. Now. Two of the people I talk to every day. Every day. I literally <laughs> talk to these two every day, right? These 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 people get 23 hours of my day every day. I talk to them. <laughs> so now the listeners are getting. So now I got my day. My day is all, you know, it's it's not filled up because of you two. I got you here at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy to be talking to my two favorite people. Now, Coach Sir, you've been on the show before. Yes. Many listeners are big fans and familiar with what you've done and accomplished. But for any new listeners who are joining us for the first time today, I don't know, maybe BJ, do you want to do an introduction and give them a little yeah, background? Yeah, Mo, I Coach can't, Sir, you Mo, want to introduce you, yourself? Yes, this guy's a legend. He's He's done it all. He's seen it all. There's nothing he doesn't know. He's the greatest of all time. He's the goat. <laughs> he's the goat. He's the goat. <laughs> he's the goat. He with the <laughs> yeah, he's the goat. So, coach, did I miss anything other than to say you're the greatest? What else can I say? With great humility, I say thank you. With great humility, <laughs> I say thank you. You know, I, I came into the NBA 44 years ago last June, and my high school coach. Uh, brought me into the NBA, the great Yubi Brown, who's Legendary. a great analyst on TV. You know, and yesterday, my my coach Yubi Brown turned ninety years of age, and he's still working on TV, doing NBA basketball on ESPN and ABC in the states. It is, he is the greatest teacher and clinician of teaching the game ever. I really believe that, and. Uh, and maybe the best storyteller of all time, you know, and and I sat there at his feet, you know, and I was in awe. And so it's so so neat. He's one of those people that, you know, during his tenure coaching in the league, he would go over to Europe all the time to teach and grow the game. And I, I'm nothing like him. I'm not a tenth as good as him. But the only thing I can tell you is that he inspired me to be a coach. And he inspired me to share whatever I know with people around the world. And that's what I'm thrilled to do now. And being on your show with you and BJ, what an honor. No, it's an honor for us to have you here. Coach Ruby Brown, one of my favorite commentators still on the airwaves. Uh, There's a Twitter account called, let me get it now. It's called Hubie Talks Hoops. And it's a parody account. And they tweet, I don't know if you guys have seen this. They tweet in the same way that Hubie Brown talks when he's commentating, right? (laughs) There's like, so like they replied to a tweet with, you know, Steve Kerr the other day said the Warriors have six starters because now they've got Chris Paul. He doesn't know his body bench. They reply with, see now, that's a technical foul right there for having six guys on the floor. Nick <laughs> Rivetta was right on top of the play there and blew the whistle. Pre-game technical foul shot coming up. And all the tweets, just when you read them, you don't read them in my voice or your voice. You read them in your head is Hubie Brown's voice. And I think it's fantastic. One of my favorite accounts on the whole platform. Yeah. But, yeah. Coach, uh, you know, he's won two NBA championships with the Bad Boy Pistons, who was an assistant coach on the Dream Team, and much, much more. So I want to throw you in at the deep end, because BJ and I have not spoken about this on the show. Uh-oh. We've been talking about NBA trade rumors and this and that. 
But something happened over this summer that I feel like we need your expertise on. Mm, okay. There's been a lot of debate about, you know, the NBA champions call themselves the world champions. But then we got to the World Cup and Team USA stacked with NBA players did not win. So I'm just going to leave that there. Woo, woo. And Coach, sir, I want to know your thoughts watching the FIBA World Cup this year. We had the best talent, one through 12 of all the teams, my opinion. But we were not the best team, obviously. The other teams, several of them played better as a team, uh, which goes to show you, you can't put a team or a business together in in five days and then go for five weeks and expect to gel flawlessly, even though you have more talent. So all the ingredients that make up a great team to trust the organization, the execution, uh, the fundamentals, you know, defense and blocking out and rebounding, you know, we didn't have those things. And our coaches, we had four fabulous coaches on our, on our benches uh, of accomplishments individually in the NBA and Mark Few from Gonzaga. Uh, you know, it just shows you, I, I, it really goes to what Chuck Daly used to say when they would say, Chuck, you're, and BJ played for Chuck. You know, Chuck, why are you such a great coach? And Mo, Chuck would simply look at people and say, I'm not a great coach. I might be a good coach when I have great players, you know, and we were not a great team. We had great, we had very, we didn't have great, we had very good individuals and maybe the best player in the tournament, Anthony Edwards, individual. Who they but started we, on the bench. Yeah, I, 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 you know, but it was very, very disappointing to the point where BJ will know this uh, because <laughs> I, I, I called him at 3 a.m. his time. Uh, I, I watched the, the third place game at five in the morning, my time. Versus Canada. And, and uh, against Canada and was so mad. I wrote a five page <laughs> thesis. On what's wrong with, what's wrong with USA basketball. And then I said to myself, who the hell do I give this to? You know? <laughs> so well, I had, I had to call BJ and he said, I'm sleeping. <laughs> you should have hit me. Cause you know, I never sleep. Let me ask yeah, you, you both you, this. Sure. Were you surprised that team USA didn't win? Before no. the tournament, were you expecting to? What about you, BJ? No, was, I, I wasn't. Your I wasn't before the tournament. I was not surprised. No. And as a basketball, you know, lifer, you watch the games. You watch Europe. You watch the game around the world because it's truly now a global game. The best young players are from abroad, and. You know, coach was kind. He said, yeah, we may have the best individual talent. But we weren't hands down. We didn't. In years past, when we have competed in international events starting in 1992, we've had, without question, the most dominant individual player and probably the team. We didn't. Anthony Edwards was one of the elite players. Right. But he wasn't hands down the most dominant player in, no. in in international play. So, no, I was not surprised. Looking forward, no, I'm not surprised on what I think could happen moving forward. And 
as we all know here, the international game, the FIBA game is a different game. It's a different game. A different game altogether than what we're talking about talking about the NBA game. So when you look at the NBA game and then you look at the FIBA game, the rules, how you have to play, and if we think we can just come together in Vegas like we did, practice for four or five days, and then we're going to go over there. No, our talent is not superior to that level anymore to where we can just do that. These guys have been playing together for years, okay, for years. They've been working from the youth level, not yes, even as they, professionals, they, from the youth under 14s, under 16s. Most of these guys, some of these guys, especially the top teams over there, their guys are NBA players. You know, Canada's guys are not only NBA players, they're NBA starters. By the way, they're first team all NBA players. And they didn't even take Alexander. Jamal Murray. Yeah, and Jamal Murray and Wiggins and those guys, and Jokic when those guys play, and Giannis when those guys play. So, it's a new landscape and to think that we're just going to meddle because that's how things were in the past. Those days are over. So it's very competitive. It's a lot of parody and it's going to be great to watch what's going to happen there in Paris next year. I want, you know, Mo, ahead, we, coach, have, we have, Mo, we have a system that we instilled in 92 when we first let pros play back then we had to have two head coaches in college on the staff, two head coaches in the NBA on the staff. That was Lenny Wilkins and Chuck Daly were the coaches. And then Coach K was an assistant coach along with P.J. Carlissimo. And now if you look at our coaching staff, we have Mark Few, one of the best coaches in college. And then we have three good friends of ours uh, who, who are phenomenal head coaches in Steve Kerr. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> Eric Spolstra, who's a superstar. And then Ty Lue, who's incredibly accomplished. But here's the deal, and I was telling BJ this. When you put a coaching staff together at any level, you don't put four head coaches all together because you need people that know their roles. And so you put a head coach who runs the squad, and then you have assistant coaches that are in charge of different things. We had no assistants. Whereas you look at Germany, you know, Canada, uh, any of the countries, Serbia, they have a great head coach, and then they have guys that are assistant coaches and they have been in that role. And so it has makes for a better, well-tuned coaching staff. I'm not blaming the coaches at all, but I'm saying it's a more functional unit because Eric Spolster and every one of those guys never sits down during a the game. They all stand up and coach in an NBA game or a mm -hmm. college game. Now they're, you have three coaches sitting on the bench. And one guy's up coaching. Well, and so it's a different deal. This is what I wanted to ask you. Is it a case of too many cooks spoiled broth? Because as Steve, Steve Kerr is the head coach, right? But if you're a player on Team USA, you may have a stronger bond with Ty Lue or Eric Spolster. You may have an opinion that they might be better coaches than Steve Kerr. Because as great as Steve Kerr is as a coach, there are some people who have the opinion, you know, that maybe... Eric Spolster is a better coach than him because he does more with less. Um, but I wanted to break this down methodically. And I wanted to start with BJ's favorite word, roster construction, because that, that will then lead into what I want to say about the coaching. When you look at this roster, it isn't a roster that you look at and think that it's going to play international basketball. Because we know internationally, teams love to play with two bigs, two seven-footers on the court at one time. 
on this team, the only player that was even just seven foot was Walker Kessler, who didn't get much run at all. You then had Jaron Jackson Jr., who forgot how to rebound the basketball during the tournament. And then <laughs> Bobby Portis, who's, you know, a, a bench player. Sometimes he starts for Milwaukee in the NBA, right? So when you look at the bigs on this roster, and then you had games where Paolo Banquero was playing center, when you look at the roster and how that was constructed, was that an immediate concern? Would you change that? Would you take different bigs? Because the problem is now the best bigs in the NBA are all international. Embiid, Jokic, even like Gobert, all of these guys are from overseas. Is that a deeper rooted problem of the USA no longer knows how to develop big men in the same way that the rest of the world does? Well, I, you know, there's guys that were playing on the international teams that don't even get a run in the NBA that are on NBA rosters. Yeah. But they're very good international players. So I think you have, I think the way you build an NBA team is totally different than the way you build an international team. And I think that we didn't have experience in building teams for this event. It's the first time. Uh, so I think, you know, like I think Steve Kerr would have been much better served having, you know, uh, Looney playing as yep. center, you know, because he would have banged the daylights out of everyone in the tournament. And, and as I said to V, as a dream on green would have been physical and would have started an altercation, which would have been fine. You know, uh, you know, you have to have, be able to put bodies on people. And that's the thing that this in the NBA, it's a very soft game. This is a very physical game. This is a men's league, in my opinion, international mm -hmm. basketball. And, and the style of play is different. It's a 40 minute versus 48 minute game. There's more set plays that are run there than in an NBA game. Uh, so I think it was a great education, a great education for all involved. That's the kindest I can be. How's that? Was that good, BJ? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, I, a roster. <laughs> BJ, if you, if you were constructing this roster, how would you look to do it? Would you look to stack up on bigs? Well, I, I think to piggyback with what Coach said is one of the things when you understand the FIBA game, especially in a tournament like this, you have to meet the physical presence and the physicality of the game. And you have to have tough players. Okay. You know, you have to be able to control bodies. And many times here in the, in, in the States now, we've really come to, you know, small ball, speeding quickness, versatility, and all of those things. Well, in a 40 minute game and the way the game is played there, you need to meet a certain physical presence and how they play. I think one of the things that, um, you know, I will say is that if I were trying to construct a team that compete at that level, I want to, I want to be a very physical team. I want to, I want to really have a level of toughness, physical toughness and mental toughness that's going to, that you're going to have on this, on the team to meet that. Because when you're in these tournaments, right, you have to have players who understand that screens are a little bit different there. Mm -hmm. They run more set plays and you got to have a level of mental toughness to say, it's not a 48 minute game. It's a 40 minute game. So if there was one thing that I will say is that I, I think they, they're going to have to have not just bigger players, right? But they're going to have players who can meet the physical demands of the game. The game is without question, more physical over there. They play a, 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 a physical brand of basketball. And the finesse game that we're accustomed to seeing here during the course of the season, 
that I don't think that translates so, anymore in uh, in 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 that type of play. My my question is this: When you think of these physical players, especially at the big position, which players from the USA spring to your mind? Like Draymond Green, physical as they come, but even he is very small in comparison to the Semfers. When you think of physical players in the NBA, I think of like Stephen Adams from New Zealand. I think of mm-hmm. Jonas Valanciunas from Europe. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. Who do you think of for this Team USA roster that would well, be a fit that can bring physicality at the four well, or five spot? It's interesting. I, I say two players, right? And these may be two all players that come to mind. Um, the big kid Mitchell from the New York Knicks. Yep, Mitchell Robinson. comes to mind. Mitchell Robinson. And the Mitchell Robinson comes to mind is because I have to meet the physical presence of the game, but I also want to be able to have something that's going to allow me to extend for 94 feet. He comes to mind to me. He's a big kid and he can block shots, but more importantly, I know he'll meet the physicality of the game. Now, one of the players I think is perfect for, for FIBA play uh, and NBA is this young kid, Dern. Jalen Duran yes. for the Detroit Pistons. Those are the type of bigs that I would like to have because I want big, physical, athletic kids who can block shots, extend out on the court, but more importantly, they're going to bring a physicality that you just don't see in Europe, right? Okay, mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert is tall, but Rudy Gobert is not like as big as those kids. So I want to be able to bring that, like the, in 82, I mean, 92, when Coach was there, I mean, they had David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, (laughs) Carl Malone. (laughs) And then we know that they also don't like those odd-sized players like Charles Barkley, right? We have a player in – yeah, we have have a player here, Zion Williamson, who I think would be fabulous in the international Yeah, just on – Robinson and Duran, I think even if you look back at 2012, right? I remember 2012 Olympics, they came to London. And a lot of my friends who are like casual NBA fans have asked me, why the hell is this guy Tyson Chandler on the team? Because he's not like a house like the rest of the roster, Carmelo, LeBron, Kobe, right? But you need not only the physicality, but the value of setting solid screens for your guards and your wings and pressure on the offensive and defensive glass as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those players who aren't necessarily flashy names, but you know, can do the day work, I think it's huge. Coach Sir, is there any players in the NBA that spring to mind that you would like to see on the next? Well, I, I, I like I'm a big Kevon Looney fan because he is selfless player, and mm-hmm. all he wants to do is win. And frankly, with Steve being Steve Kerr being the head coach, he knows the guy, and so if Steve doesn't play him, there's not a problem. If Steve plays him, he he knows exactly what he's getting out of him. And I I like having a team where you don't have to call uh, plays for guys. I, that's why I love Rodman. I love Ben Wallace. You know, guys like that never yeah. had to call a play for them, but they rebound their block shots. Uh, one of the, and I think we also need quick point guards, not tall point guards. I mean, really quick point guards. Like, you know, uh, well, BJ and I would, yeah, like, like BJ and I would be on the phone. All, exactly. But, BJ and I would be on the phone during the season and, and would be watching the Lakers play and Schroeder would barely get in the game. And over there, he's like the MVP in the tournament, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, no one, and no one can guard him, you know? And, and so we need someone that 
is really quick that can get up and pressure full court like BK, right. BJ said. I think it's really important. Uh, but let me say this. If you had to ask anything that we can't solve, it's that the players from these other countries love playing for their countries. For our guys, it's not a big deal. Their, their NBA contract's a big deal for them. Playing for USA, it's a, oh, it's nice, but it's not the most important thing in the world. For these guys, they're playing strictly for the love of the game for their country. They're so proud of it. And that's a big factor. The other thing that really, I think, threw our guys off was in the NBA, you're never away from home for six more than six days, ever. And it happens once or twice a season. Our guys were away for five weeks. It doesn't happen. And then mm. you say, well, they were able to bring their families to the Philippines. Not exactly what I'd love to have is my family with me when I'm trying to do my business and work mm-hmm. and have to worry about mom, dad, brothers, sisters, children, and stuff like that. Do they have tickets? Are they eating? Are they, you know, are they okay in Manila? No, I want to focus on my job. No one comes with us on road trips in the NBA, you know? So I, I think it's a huge factor for us. Yeah, because for, for the international players, for like Luca, he's never at home. Because when he's in Dallas, although it may be his adopted, he's not home. So he right. used to go in the whole year without being home. And so just on the roster construction side of things and the different types of players, for me, it was also like, you know, obviously great respect to Steve Kerr and everything he's accomplished. But he loves, obviously, small ball because that's what works with the Warriors. But playing Paolo Banquero at the five in a FIBA game where the other team has two seven-foot players – for me, it's just not a recipe for success. And obviously him being the head coach, he gets the final call. But I was watching it and respect to him. But I was looking at it like if Ty Lue or Eric Spolster was the head coach, it may have gone slightly better for Team USA. PJ? <laughs> you guys got to be nice because you're friends with him. I can say what I like. <laughs> well, I, I, would say, I, I would say this. You know, every situation is a, is a huge learning opportunity. And the best time to learn is when you lose. And we can, it's easy to second guess what have you. You know, some of the players, for instance, didn't play. Like Brandon Ingram, I, I, I don't know if they ever gave a reason why he didn't play. He struggled when he got yeah, on the court, straight, so but they just benched him. A couple him. games, no, well, a couple games, he didn't even dress. Yeah. He, he, he didn't even dress. Um, so there were some players that I think this opportunity to get this exposure to international play i think this will make a difference you know a lot of times we always talk about winning and you know we we celebrate people who win however our most valuable lessons our greatest lessons come in defeat mm-hmm. so i think this is a an excellent opportunity for coach kerr you know i think this might have been i know he's been an assistant in international play but this has been his First, as a head coach, if I if I if I'm stating this right. correctly, so you know we we got to learn. This is Grant Hill's first opportunity as the lead to build a team. Many of those players, this was their first time playing in international play, yeah, right, at this right. level. So there is a lot of room of improvement, but more importantly, I I still think the confidence is there for us. However, you know with we take into consideration what we've done in the past and the USA and all those things, you know, we're, we at least expect to medal. But I think now Coach Kerr and the whole staff is going to have to figure out and how to say, 
what can we do to play our part now to bring back the gold? Because let me tell you something. 24 is going to be tough. And everyone's going to show up and they're going to be in Paris. And, and, and I'm not sure how many people are going to be rooting for that team to, to, well, to win let anything. Let me ask you this. So I, I think it's going to just say this. I think it's going to be important for this team to understand the commitment that's going to be necessary for them, not only just the medal, but to win the gold, because it's going to be tough. And I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be highly competitive. But I think it's going to be really tough, maybe tougher than it's probably ever been as far as the parity now that exists throughout the world. Well, LeBron, of course, made the call as if he was assembling the Avengers to Katie and Steph and these other guys and said, we got to be there in Paris. Let me read you the roster from this year's Olympics and tell me how many of these guys or which of these guys you expect to see at the Olympics next year. So you've got Tyrese Halliburton, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Brandon Ingram, Paolo Banquero, Bobby Portis, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, Jaron Jackson Jr., Walker Kessler, and Austin Reeves. Which of those guys do you think are going to be on the roster at the Olympics next year? Well, I, I think for sure Anthony Edwards will be. Has there. to be, yeah. Okay. Now, from there, I, I don't know. But again, this is just me without talking to anyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think Anthony Edwards and what he brings and what is the advantage that we have, right? I think we have superior speed and quickness athletic players that can extend the game. And I think from there, you will figure out how to build a roster. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that those other players won't be there. But Anthony Edwards, clearly to me, it's clear to me now, not only in international play, but he's a top five player in the world. Okay. If you have a top five list right now and Anthony Edwards is not in your list, then you're not watching basketball. He is that dominant of a player at this particular age and stage of his career. He is, he's magnificent. So I think that player is there. And then you go from there. I think Antio was definitely has the chance to be the future face of the NBA. I think I'd like to see Walker Kessler there. I would have liked to see Kessler get more minutes, especially given the size and the shot blocking and the rebound and that he can bring. Jaron Jackson Jr. Very disappointing with what he showed. Coach, sir, what about you? Were there any guys that you looked at and you think? Anthony Edwards, for sure. Um, right now, I can't give anyone else uh, a ticket. Uh, I think I think we got to be careful of not trying to put in an all-star team mm -hmm. uh, with very old players coming in that have been there and done that. Uh, it's because it's something that they want to do for themselves. They want to play in Paris and in France to get a gold medal for themselves. Uh, but I think we'll see Steph Curry because I think he's never been in the Olympics. Uh, I think... Uh, Anthony Davis would be someone that would be very suspect to put in because of his durability. The schedule is so difficult. Uh, you know, so I, I really think you just need some very, very physical guys. I would try like heck to get, uh, you know, I would try to get, you know, from, I, I would see how the season goes for Kevin Durant. Cause to me, he's like Carmelo Anthony, He's yep. kind of been one of our best players in the last decade internationally. He won us the gold, I think, you know, in the last mm -hmm. uh, Olympics. Olympics, yes. Yeah, I, I really do. And uh, I think I'm a big Devin Booker fan uh, because yeah. of his shot-making yeah. ability. Uh, mm -hmm. I like him mm -hmm. a lot. Coach, you know, what about I, these two names? How about these two names, Coach? I think there's two I'm names. Zion I think. Williamson on Zion Williamson is one, and De'Aaron Fox is another. Yep. 
Yeah, think, De'Aaron Fox is a problem with USA basketball because he got passed over. But if I was Steve Kerr, I'd go up and kiss his ass and you know make sure he's on the team. <laughs> he he has to be. He, he he's so be. fast. He's so fast, and and he's a great kid. Uh, you have him. You have Curry. You have Anthony Edwards. You have Booker. Jason That's Tatum. A good, uh, uh, Tatum. Tatum was good. He was the second leading scorer at the last Olympics. Tatum. Tatum. You know, I think is. I, I think he's a great incredible international skill set Draymond uh, I, I think you know because he's going to be know, even older by the time the next okay, Olympics rolls so, around so you know this week in Europe we have the Ryder Cup golf tournament and there's 10 players that are I believe are selected that are based on their scoring during the year and then the captain gets two picks I would say Draymond Green and one other player should be Steve Kerr's picks yeah, like you put whoever you think that would make a good team it's, on there. I'm not saying it's especially Draymond. if Steph plays. You know, you need yeah. you need a Draymond with a Steph. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would put him because he really he helps Steph a lot, and 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 Looney is one of those guys that I think is really really. I I, I should be Looney's agent, BJ. The way I'm talking <laughs> about him, I mean, you know, but I, I I think I think selflessness is really important in an event like this. But if we have old guys. That are their stars. You, you see the way we now have gone to BJ's played in all NBA All Star games. I've coached them, but the way we play All Star games now in the NBA, it, it's a joke. We don't need that stuff. That that ain't going to cut it. Okay, this is serious basketball, uh, and this is and this is very physical basketball. This is not vacation basketball, and I just hope they pick the right guys. I, well, I have yeah. There's just... one more name that could be on the list, and I want to get your guys from an American perspective on this because I see like you know ESPN and Bleacher Report and these guys they make their projected team for Team USA at the Olympics, okay. and a lot of them have slotted Joel Embiid in at the five because he's eligible to play for the USA, he's eligible to play for France, and of course eligible to play for Cameroon. And what's your perspective on having Joel Embiid representing Team USA? This is more of a personal question, if anything, not a basketball fit. I, you know, BJ has been saying for I, I personally think if I was him, I would be playing for France. You know, with Wemby. Yeah, with Wemby and those guys. I, I think they have a really nice team. And I like being cheered when I go to those things, not booed. And so if he's playing for USA, you know, oh, sure, would we like him? Damn right. But uh, I, I think I, I I'll be surprised if he doesn't play for France. This well, is I I know nothing though. That was just me. Yeah, yeah. Just the reason I ask is from an international perspective. It's kind of embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of embarrassing for the U- U.S. that you're trying to neutralize Joel Embiid to fill the gap in your team at the big man position. BJ, what are your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I I think Joel will have a lot of pressure to play. Abroad, I, I I really do. I think there will be a lot of pressure, right? If he doesn't play for Cameroon, I believe that's where yeah. his native, uh, um, you know, where he's from. I would like to see him in Siakam on Cameroon. Yeah, and you know, in Cameroon. And if he doesn't play for there, I I would think there would be a lot of pressure for him to play for France. However, again, I don't know. I haven't spoken to anyone, right. yeah. so it's just a it's just a guess. But we'll see. Well, I mean, listen, if you have. Rudy Gobert, Wimbenyama, and Joel Embiid. Okay, shifts of power. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is 
this will tilt the pendulum <laughs> no matter what he, what he does. So, you know, it's one of those things that we're going to have to watch to see. I would think from a human perspective, it would be easier for him to play with France <laughs> because it's going to be in Paris. It would seem yeah. like a natural thing for him. He'll probably only play once in his career anyway. And why not play for Paris? But who knows? Sure. If you had to put a percentage chance on <laughs> Team USA getting the gold at the Olympics, where are you right now with that percentage? I, I have no idea. I, I'm like, I have no, I'm like 80%. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to say, ready? I'm going to say 50 yeah, only. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you've got, you've got Canada, 50. you've got France, who could have Embiid on their team as well, and then you've got I, I, Serbia. I like Serbia. I like you've got Serbia. Slovenia as well, and, and Germany, and yep. Germany. You yeah, know, it's, it's those those are teams. And I'll tell you what, Jordi Fernandez is the best young coach in the NBA right now. He's an assistant with Sacramento. He did a brilliant right. job, and yes, he's going to he have did. Jamal Murray next year on Canada, and it's really going to help them. Um, I just really I I like I like in a, in a forty minute game, Coach. Your guards will be Jamal Murray and Shea Alexander. Like in and, a forty and, minute and, game, and, and and yours and my favorite, Dylan Brooks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, and you like, got Wiggins, you got Lou Dort. So that's three defensive Lou, stoppers, and yeah, then I, I mean the long haired go Kelly Olynyk at the five. R.J. Barrett is over <laughs> there. I mean they. So RJ, I mean, they got yeah, some yeah. guys, man. Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I think it's going to be tough. And you know what? We, we don't know what Wimbenyama and all of these guys. So I think it's going to be fascinating. And a little home cooking is not bad, Coach. I mean, but, hey, you know, the, the interesting thing about the Olympics is that all world competitions is that no referees from your country can ref your games, mm-hmm. and and the referees uh, from your country, there's like. The bigger countries, like whether it be uh, we lost, there used to be a lot of good uh, Russian or Soviet officials, but we don't have any now. Uh, there's only, I think we're louder. There's a, there's one great referee out of Ukraine that refs in the Euro League, but you know there's not going to be home cooking as far as you know French referees. But there, but I'll tell you what, it's human nature takes over when you're playing in France and their mm-hmm. players are in there. I, I think France, the pressure is so going to be so great on France. Yeah. I think it's really going to be hard for them to win. Mm, my yeah, I agree with that. I agree with but that. But they're going to have an incredible front court. And Wimbenyama, we don't know physically if he's even going to be able to get through the season. We don't know right. that. Um, but they could have a very imposing front line. Uh, I just don't know if they have good enough backcourt play um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as opposed to Tony it's, Parker. It's Nicholas Batum's last dance. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on that. Like Killian Hayes, that's your Detroit Piston, BJ. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll yes. see. Well, well, you never know. Like Teo Maladon could just turn into do what Dennis Schroeder did at the World Cup this year. You never know. Like different, different rules and all of that kind of thing. You never know who could step up, but. I want to know from you, the listeners at home, who you guys think is going to be winning the Olympics and what your thoughts were on Team USA. You can do that by joining the Discord that is linked in the description of the show. And while you're in the description, you can get your copy of NBA 2K24, where you can put together a Team USA roster and see how it gets cooking on there. 
Coach, we'll send it to Steve Kurt, right? We'll send yeah, we will do. We will do. <laughs> we will actually put a big man at the five and see how he likes it. Um, coach, thank you as always for jumping on the show. BJ, appreciate you as always. Any, <laughs> any closing remarks from you fellas? Well, but I'll tell you what, Mo. Uh, I do a lot of these things around the country and... Uh, you're the damn best I've seen, man. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't had this much fun since, man, I, I can't even remember, man. I appreciate you that. You're, you're absolutely fabulous. I love you, man. Thank uh, that you so means, that means me the world. Uh, thank you so much. You know, you're welcome. Anytime you want to jump on, you're part of family, the Hoop Genius family over here. You guys are the ones that bring the real genius to the show. You know, I just kind of facilitate it and make it happen. So I appreciate you taking the time out. And I see you drinking from a Chick-fil-A cup and I'm, eternally jealous is it because <laughs> because More. chick-fil-a is my favorite thing in the world and i can't get it here in the uk yeah. <laughs> the next time i see you i will bring you one okay my brother. Uh, 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 uh. need that lemonade anyway coach sir bj i appreciate you are, are they sponsoring the show now, Mo? Chick-fil-A, uh, are they sponsoring the if show? If Chick-fil-A sponsored the show, I would die a happy man. If they <laughs> just sent me a breakfast chicken sandwich or a normal chicken sandwich every day for the rest of my life, I will die a happy man. Call me call me in 9 o'clock in the morning, Central Time, and I'll be there every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not joking, ladies and gentlemen. True story. He's not joking. That is, that is, the legend goes to Chick-fil-A every morning. Yeah, that's a fact alright well I appreciate both of you you guys I hope you enjoyed the show listening to this make sure you subscribe Spotify, Apple, YouTube on all platforms make sure you don't miss another episode because Coach Sir is going to be back with us during the season so you don't want to miss out when he drops by turn on that notification bell stay with us we've got a lot more coming to Hoop Genius Podcast and most importantly get buckets <laughs>